This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is made possible by Dama Financial. Get access to a secure, transparent banking solution with Dama Financial. Secure your cash, make and receive electronic payments, and stop worrying that your account will be shut down for being a cannabis business. Protect your money with an FDIC-insured bank account and discover Dama's suite of sustainable, compliant financial products, including merchant processing. Schedule a free consultation at damafinancial.com today or call 877-401-3262. Dama Financial is an agent of its financial institutions and money transmitters. Hey there, I'm your host, TG Brandfall, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Uh, today, I'm joined by Pamela Altoff. She's the executive director of the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois, a statewide cannabis industry organization advocating for patient well-being, consumer safety, social equity and inclusion, job creation, community investment, and responsible cannabis use. Uh, she's also a former state senator and Illinois Senate Republican caucus chair. How are you doing this morning, Pamela? I am great. How are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. I'm really excited to, to sink my teeth into uh, this interview today. We're going to talk about Illinois. We're going to talk about politics. Uh, but before we do any of that, I want to get to know uh, about you a little bit. Uh, what's your background and how'd you end up in the cannabis space? Um, my background is actually as a long-ago graduate of Illinois State University in education, um, taught school for a long time, met a boy, moved, uh, could not find a job in education, so went through a series of sales positions, ultimately got engaged in local politics, and when my state senator stepped down due, due to illness, um, I was at that time a local mayor and my mayors advocated for me to be his replacement. Um, I was appointed to the state Senate in 2003 and served until 2018. So that's kind of my um, pro, uh, professional background. Um, how I got in the cannabis space is another crazy story, which just goes to prove you got to take those opportunities when they're given to you. Uh, the executive director of the Medical Cannabis Alliance, which is what our organization began as when uh, the state of Illinois only had a medical program, uh, stepped down to take a position with the new administration in Illinois after the um, 2018 election. And uh, when they went searching for a new executive director, my name showed up on several of the lists of uh, lobbyists in Springfield, as well as some of the board members. And here I am. That's that's really incredible. Uh, so so in the change from medical uh, to recreational, uh, what is the organization doing differently? What what are they advocating for now? Well, I don't know if it's if it's changed that dramatically, except that we're acknowledging that the state of Illinois has decided to become the first state to legislatively legalize cannabis. And so we have changed our medical organization, which was, you know, pretty tightly uh loosely grouped uh 
set of same players. We knew each other. We had gone through the application process together. Um, obviously, we provided the product um, to the dispensary. So it, it was kind of a closed group. Um, you know, the state regulated that industry very carefully. There were only so many licenses available. So rather than being just limited to medical, we decided um, early February, March, when it looked like we were going, the state was going to legalize cannabis, that we needed to uh, evolve to meet the new needs of the state of Illinois in a larger, uh, more focused um, cannabis association. So we just kind of went from that medical focus to now we'll represent the entire industry here in the state of Illinois. So what were some of uh, the changes that came about with the medical program specifically uh, when uh, legislators decided to legalize cannabis and, and sort of the launch of that market? Um, I, you know, I think what it was is um, the, the medical industry, because we were so well vetted uh, by the state of Illinois regulators, um, the larger piece moving into recreational was to allow the existing cannabis industry in the state to open recreational dispensaries and continue to cultivate uh, the cannabis product. Um, we also worked very, very collaboratively with all of our stakeholders, um, which were was law enforcement, regulators, legislators, and um, other vested um, minority representatives to ensure that our social equity piece of this legislation met the needs of um, our elected officials. And a lot of that was to ensure that the cannabis industry reflected more of the uh, population diversity in the state of Illinois. We wanted to give those who were disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs an opportunity to gain access into the industry. And whether that was through owner operator, operator um, opportunities or whether that was through, you know, a career, we didn't care. We just wanted very um, seriously to provide that opportunity to um, those people that were impacted, those families that were impacted by the war on drugs. When you guys were looking at uh, these these social equity provisions, uh, did you look towards other states uh, for your model, or did you guys sort of develop something in-house, uh, in collaboration, as you said? Well, I'll be very um, frank here. We didn't find any other really um, viable options in other states. Um, we're all struggling with how that would look. And I think we took, it's why the legislation, which actually started many years ago, I, I would tell you that almost immediately after we started the medical pilot program, legislators started to advocate um, for recreational use. And so this was a significantly long, even though I don't think that most of the um, population in Illinois realized it, there was a great deal of upfront work done by concerned legislators, um, particularly the sponsor, Senator Staines and Representative Cassidy. Um, we looked at how we wanted and how we wanted to ensure that it was legal, that our social equity programs would meet constitutional muster. And it took us um, 
uh, again, a lot of collaboration with a lot of individual people. And I think that we've got a, a, a great framework, um, a really good template. You know, now the challenge to all of us, the industry, as well as those people the regulators and um, elected officials, and again, the individuals who will gain access to the industry, it's up to us now to ensure that we're going to make it work. That That's always the challenge once you put the framework into place is then to carry it out. And I think that we are all committed to working together to ensure that there's a great deal of success. And I happen to know that other states, particularly out east, um, Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, are looking at the state of Illinois social equity uh, parameters and are trying to incorporate what we've done into their um, legislation right now. Well, I think a lot of, uh, you, you know, those states that you mentioned, I, I live in New York myself, we don't have a ballot referendum. Uh, and I think a lot of states are looking towards sort of the process uh, in in Illinois as, as again, as you said, the, the first state to legalize uh, through the legislature. Um, tell me about the run-up to recreational sales. Uh, what were the most prevailing concerns for business owners uh, in the space? Um, well, it, the, the business, the industry business owners were a little concerned um, about making sure that we had product availability. And, and let me kind of take two steps back and set the stage. Um, we had an administration, uh, the Pritzker administration was very supportive and very committed to um, legalizing cannabis. Uh, we talked a long time about how we all recognize that there already is an illicit market here in the state of Illinois. And the idea was, is if it exists, then isn't it our obligation to ensure that we legalize and make sure that those people who choose to consume have a safe and a quality product. The medical program worked extraordinarily well. In all of the time that the medical program was in existence, up and running, there was not a single diversion from the state of Illinois. So when you saw all of those, you know, in quotes, drug busts throughout the country, not once did they ever find a product that came from the state of Illinois? That, that's how well we had regulated the medical industry. And so as we, we ran into recreational, two things happened. One, we kept the, high, the same high standards as, as we went forward. But as I had stated earlier, the Pritzker administration was so committed to this that they also chose to expand the medical conditions that would be um, acceptable to the medical cannabis program. So when we passed the recreational program, we had kind of the perfect storm. We had an increase in the conditions um, that allowed patients to access the medical program. And then we legalized recreational. So we had this huge demand almost immediately from the medical side. And then we only had a six month uh, run up to January one to be ready for a brand new recreational market. So there was some concern again about product availability. Um, the first license for uh, recreational growth was not received until August. Wow. And I remind everyone, yeah. And I remind everyone that, you know, cannabis is not a widget. 
you know, it takes time to grow. It's a, it's a crop, it's a product that um, needs, you know, uh, 12 to 16 weeks to actually come to fruition. So there was, there was concern about that from the very beginning. We believe that we will actually be kind of up to full thrust by May um, of 2020, and we'll be able to be regularly providing product not only to the existing dispensaries that now can sell recreational product, but also to those dispensaries that um, are currently in the queue to be reviewed and potentially licensed. There's 75 new licenses that are available um, that are being reviewed as we speak all of those applicants. Um, so the, so the, that really was the largest concern. And then the legislation that was passed gave huge amount of um, ability to local units of government to make determinations on whether or not they wanted to uh, engage in the new adult use cannabis market. In other words, if they chose not to let these companies locate within their corporate boundaries, um, that in, in fact was up to them. So the industry even though the state legalized it, was not exactly sure how that was going to be handled on a local basis. And we did have communities that housed a medical dispensary already who chose not to engage in the adult use or in the recreationalizing of cannabis. So then we had dispensaries that had to make decisions about where they're going to stay there and continue to operate as a medicinal dispensary or whether they actually were going to choose to relocate and um, only deal in recreational. So those were some of the just, and, and they're bumps, um, they're a little bit of challenges, uh, not unanticipated, but certainly something that we need to address. How many communities do you know, uh, like percentage-wise, how many have opted out? I know in Massachusetts, it's you know upwards of 70%. In California, it's over 60%. Uh, do you have figures for that in Illinois? You know, I not not in that kind of a fashion. I can tell you that there were 55 medical dispensaries um, operating and approved by the state of Illinois that were permitted to immediately um, apply for and obtain, if they had local zoning, um, a license for recreational um, cannabis. And out of those 55, I believe we are only at uh, 32 that have a obtained their license and are operating. Some obtained a license from the state but did not get their local zoning. Some of the dispensaries are still awaiting the decision by um, units of local government to decide whether or not they're going to permit the adult use. So, so since legal sales have launched, you said you know that there's there you, there was concern about shortages. There's been reports of short shortages, uh, even some dispensaries being forced to temporarily close uh, due to these shortages. Uh, how are uh, operators that that you're working with overcoming uh, these early uh, supply challenges? Well. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell people, depends what you mean by shortages. Okay. <laughs> I, I would tell you that the first and foremost, um, the Illinois cannabis industry remains committed to their medical patients. Um, these basically the way the legislation worked is um, cannabis patients had to register with a specific dispensary to obtain their cannabis product. Um, so these are long-term relationships where often um, you know, the patients were recognized right by the people who were selling them their uh, cannabis product, their medical product. 
So we're, we're very cognizant of the responsibility that we owe these patients. So in the legislation, there is a requirement that each dispensary maintain a 30-day inventory that meets the need of, a med- of our medical patients. So that too added to the you know, recognition that we're not going to have as much recreational product as people originally thought. So um, operators uh, who have cultivation um, did apply for recreational licenses to be able to expand their existing facilities and start to, to grow immediately. All 20 cultivation sites that were approved by the state of Illinois also obtained permission to expand their facilities. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're they're all up and and getting ready, or some of them are actually almost completed with construction, which is why we're saying that um, we anticipated this. We just ran into a few you know hiccups and and, and bumps. One one of them also being is um, obtaining equipment. California too is going through all of a sudden a large expansion within the cannabis industry, and oftentimes we're hearing here in Illinois that the required environmentally appropriate lighting, watering, all of the facilities or the equipment that we need for the expansions um, are on back order because they're they're kind of being diverted to California right now, which just beat us a little bit in that kind of expansion role. So some of the construction is a little bit behind because of that, but um, everyone is committed to being up and running. We are also, um, as an association, committed to trying to ensure that we are dispersing product across um, all dispensaries um, throughout the state of Illinois so that they all have some product. But as you might expect, some of our medical patients want to try the new strains that are available and may not be interested in um, gaining access to something that they had been using in the past. And we also have noted that people still are very much interested in flour. Um, and so there, there was somewhat of a run on a lot of the flour product while we still had available um, consumables. So, you know, again, it it depends how you define shortages. We had product, but we may not have had the product that you specifically wanted access to. So, so what does, you know, you said that you, you expect to sort of be, you know, fully fleshed out the market by May, you know, where everyone's up and running. Um, what, what does your organization sort of envision uh, the market, market looking like, say, in about a year? Uh, and, and are there any expectations for social use provisions uh, in, in different cities or, or on a state, statewide basis? Sure. Sure, Tim, you know, it's funny that you bring that up. Um, We are already anticipating um, social use. In fact, uh, I believe at the end of this month, because the state of Illinois allowed um, local units of government to address those issues, we allowed um, consumption in tobacco shops and in areas that are under the same roof as dispensaries. Um, There has to be a wall in between the dispensary and where you would have on-site consumption. But again, it would have to be under, you know, the same, um, within the same building. 
And uh, it just so happens that the city of Springfield, Illinois, is actually going to be considering an ordinance at the end of this month um, to approve um, an on-site consumption lounge uh, in conjunction with one of their local dispensaries. So I anticipate over the next year, we're going to see a lot of that local action. City of Chicago is discussing how they're going to deal with this. And I'm also going to suggest that come spring session in uh, Illinois, we're going to see several pieces of legislation addressing some type of um, on-site consumption within the state of Illinois. And are there anything else that, that might be, do you guys, uh, is delivery something that's that's permitted or going to be permitted? Uh, are there any sort of these adjacent services uh, that you, you expect lawmakers maybe to address in the upcoming session? You know, I, I, Illinois is still somewhat of a conservative um, state, which is, again, one of the reasons that legislators chose to allow local units of government to make some of those decisions. Um, we discussed during the crafting of the legalization legislation, um, delivery and those kinds of um, associated uh, services. And it was just felt that it was it was too early um, for Illinois to address those things and get a piece of legislation passed. Uh, again, as we move forward, if we are responsible, and again we demonstrate in quotes um, good behavior, I'm going to gather that we too here in Illinois will see the maturing of the cannabis industry. But you know, as a former legislator. I always tell people we evaluate the next step based on current behavior by everyone. So it's um, one of our main goals and main missions to ensure that our message to our um, now our consumers, both medically as well as from a retail basis, understand it is crucial for us to be responsible in the way that we utilize um, cannabis in the state of Illinois. Otherwise, we're going to see the regulators remain vigilant and um, rather rigid, I think. So uh, it, it just depends on how well this is received and how well we do again with the social equity piece. So as a former lawmaker, you know, you had said earlier yeah, that it had been cannabis legalization had been being talked about uh, by lawmakers, you know, shortly after medical uh, and, you know, to many sort of uh, to, to many sort of people watching the industry, uh, it was sort of a surprise that Illinois, you know, came out, uh, mm. you know, fast, quickly, uh, you know, had a market basically online, you know, six months after uh, Michigan, which, you know, had voted for it the year prior. As a former lawmaker, it, was it a surprise to you at sort of how, I don't want to say quickly, but but how much support, uh, I guess, legalization had uh, in, in the previous session? Well, I'm going to argue with you. I don't think it did. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that uh, the sponsors of the legislation uh, crafted a core group of legislators that worked very um, collaboratively and, and really uh, worked to educate the rest of the legislators in Illinois. Um, it really was a, a lengthy process. As I stated, they started working on this issue almost immediately 
after we had approved the medical program, which was back in 2011. So um, it, it may have appeared that Illinois moved rapidly, but that's, I think, just because people started to read about it in the paper as the legislation moved forward. But there was a huge amount of upfront education that was being done um, in Springfield in the General Assembly to make legislators feel more comfortable. And again, as I stated, part of our success was because the medical program had been so well regulated and so responsive to that regulation that there was, I think, um, a a more comfort level uh, felt by many of the legislators on going ahead and approving the legalization of adult social use uh, cannabis. And then there was the provision about the expungement That was an important piece to a lot of legislators to ensure that we did, in fact, have a vibrant expungement program um, for those people who are arrested for now the legal um, possession limits. Uh, And uh, state's attorney Kim Fox was very uh, instrumental in helping us craft that program. Um, As you can see now in Illinois, many of our state's attorneys are moving forward to ensure that those records are in fact expunged in a timely fashion. Um, And again, I think that the social equity piece was another incentive for many legislators to climb on board, so to speak, and support the legislation because it, it did give communities Um, As well, there's a provision in the bill that gives um, uh, access to grant programs um, to communities that also were disproportionately impacted. So there were we we wove in a lot of good um, good outcomes for a wide variety of entities within the within the legislation. It just wasn't about the cannabis industry. It was broader than that. And I think that that is what helped us um, gain additional support from other legislators. I mean, even a few Republicans voted for the bill, Tim. So, so when I, and I, and I got to ask, you know, you, you, you were uh, the former, you know, uh, Republican caucus chair uh, for the Senate. And, you know, so, so why do you think as a Republican, I got two questions for you. Were you always pro cannabis? And, and why do you think that so many in your party still stand opposed to broader legalization? Um. For me, yes. I I don't want to give away my age or anything, but you know, I was a I was a child of the seventies. Um, so you know, maybe my um, past uh, perspective, you know, played into that. Um, it was also, again, even for me, an educational process. I was always very supportive of um, uh, cannabis as a medical product. In fact. Um, how I think my um, association members became familiar with me is I was one of the uh, advocates for the option of cannabis as an alternative to opioids. Um, you know, so I was very, very much engaged in that process here in Illinois. And through that, uh, became, again, much more comfortable in offering the availability to people to uh, legally gain access to cannabis. As I stated, um, we all know that there was um, a very uh, robust um, illicit market here in the state of Illinois. And so uh, I have to tell you that I believe strongly that it would be wiser and smarter and um, more of a 
health safety issue for people here in the state to have a good quality, safe product to consume as opposed to something that they're not exactly sure what's in it. Um, as to Republicans, you know, I think that that's just kind of sort of an easy um, division. I know many Republicans uh, who voted for the medical cannabis program, and I know several Republicans that also voted for the um, recreationalizing of cannabis here in Illinois, too. Um, if there is a perception, it might be because, again, um, the largest uh, entity that really advocated against recreationalizing cannabis um, were our church-affiliated groups. And so, again, there might be a, a thought process that many Republicans still are very uh, faith-based, um, associated or affiliated. And so it might be that they felt that they were truly representing you know, their constituent base from that perspective. So, I mean, but it does look like, I mean, I mean, in New York, just just to be fair, I mean, it was the downstate Democrats that that really stopped it from from passing last year. But nationally, you know, you look at the House democratically controlled, uh, actually, you know, passing the the Safe Banking Act. Uh, the committees are, are passing the, the Moore Act, which would federally legalize cannabis effectively. Uh, but the Senate, it's a non-starter. I mean, so so. To say that it's it's sort of a you know a, a, an appearance issue. I mean, you're I, talking I, at a federal level. I mean, I mean the the R's and the D's. I mean, there's a split there when it comes to cannabis policy. Um, and and I'm just sort of you know wondering is it is it purely you know the faith based or is there really some entrenched moral position? Uh, you know, and Republicans, you know, I'm, I'm I lean sort of libertarian, and I believe you know in states' rights and, and that people should have the the ability to do what they want so long as it's not harming other people, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so and and. You know, if you talk to my dad, who's a, you know, who is a Republican, he would agree with that statement. He supports cannabis legalization as well. But, you know, why is it sort of a harder conversation to have amongst Republicans uh, than it is, you know, sort of Democrats? You know, I it's hard for me to answer that because I'm one of those Republicans um, that's kind of on the other side of, of that issue. I, I, I'm going to have to guess that most of those individuals feel that they are representing um, a, a portion of the population that still believes as, you know, we were all educated. I was an educator and I, I can remember having numerous curriculum plans that, you know, cannabis was a gateway drug to harder substance abuse, et cetera. And that, that um, perception and that belief might still be very much ingrained in a lot of um, individuals across the board and uh, Republicans might feel that those are exactly um, the individuals that they represent. Okay. So, so how can advocates try to find common ground with people they typically don't see eye to eye with, with regard to this one issue? You know, it's funny that's that that has been um, one of the skill sets that I think that most people uh, identify with me as a former legislator. I think you have to create safe havens for conversation. Education is the only way any issue um, finally gets addressed, resolved, moves forward, whatever phrase you'd like to use in that respect. Um, but it's creating an atmosphere and a culture where people who disagree can walk into a room and start to exchange information 
and and carry that that uh, conversation forward. Um, it, it is. It's education. I, I made that statement earlier in our interview. I believe firmly that that's exactly why we were successful in passing um, the adult use or you know slash recreational use of cannabis in Illinois. Is we spent vast amounts of time and detailed information was provided to educate and make our legislators feel more comfortable in taking the action. And I think that that's what most elected officials need, is they need the information and ability to go back to their constituents who obviously elect them, place them in office. They need that information to have that dialogue with their constituents and and bring them forward and understand that, you know, as with all things, it just changes. This, you know, our social agendas, our um, country, everything evolves and is completely different than it was, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Were there, what was the reaction from your former Republican colleagues when you end up, you know, the, the executive director uh, of the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois? What- you know what? It's, it's funny. It's, um, I would tell you that people who know me well kind of sort of rolled their eyes and said, of course you do that. Um, you know, again, knowing, knowing my background and my ability to pull very, very, uh, different, uh, diverse individuals into a room and come up and and build a consensus and craft legislation that we could actually get past. That was kind of my forte. So, um, obviously I would be someone who wants to get, uh, involved in, you know, brand new and and bringing people together and talking about the issue and shining the little spotlight on it so that we can have those conversations. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm a former educator. Can you hear that? (laughs) I I truly believe that, you know, those kinds of exchanges are crucial in, in um, any nascent uh, start of whether it's an industry, whether it's a social concept, whatever. I think it's absolutely crucial to continue to have um, honest exchange between um, differing opinions. Well, and I think you bring up a, a really good point that that this is not only an industry that's launched here. This is an entirely new sort of social structure, a new, exactly. new sort of construct. Um, and, and I want to thank you for for your you know sort of candor. Uh, you know, I've I've tried very hard to have uh, you know Republicans on this show, um, and they've they've balked, assuming that you know I'm I'm going to be confrontational. Um, but I so so I really appreciate uh, you answering those questions for me. They, they, that's something I've wanted to ask somebody for a very long time. Um, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs who are interested in uh, opening up a cannabis business in Illinois? Um, There are numerous opportunities to attend events and seminars. I I would be cautious in determining whether they're viable, but anything that is put on by the state of Illinois or by our association or by our affiliated association, Women in Cannabis, um, City of Chicago, um, any local entity, 
you can attend them. Most of them are free of charge. We have panels. We're actually involved in a um, city, a Chicago city sponsored event um, in February. Uh, there are, again, there are numerous ones that we are participating in. Um, you can come and learn about either owner operator opportunities. And that's from a legislative perspective, as well as filling out your applications, as well as, you know, um, suggestions about how you would find uh, investors um, in, into your business, as well as, again, as I stated, going the other direction and finding employment in the industry and not just within, you know, the dispensary or the cultivation market, but in um, ancillary uh industries, which might be, um, you know, transportation, which might be security, which might be marketing, all of those things. We're, we're really trying to reach out into the public. And I would strongly um, suggest that people attend those free seminars and uh, determine whether or not this is something that really meets their needs and uh, kind of piques their interest. A lot of people have misconceptions. It's you know, cultivation, it, it's farming. <laughs> it's more culture. It's, you know, it, it's, it's not, um, as you might think, reefer madness. It's, it's really serious and, and very regulated um, uh, work. Uh, you know, most of those people, when you're in a cultivation site, have on lab coats, have on little booties on their shoes and have hairnets. You know, it's like a food industry. So, you know, I would strongly suggest they come and hear exactly what the industry entails and make a decision. And, and then there's all kinds of, um, you know, follow-up resources that they can also then participate if they determine this is something that they want to pursue. Again, I want to thank you so much uh, f for this opportunity. I can't, you know, I can't wait to sort of uh, see how you evolve uh, in this space and how the the, the association uh, sort of uh, evolves as you know the market matures. Where can people find out uh, more about you and more about the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois? You can find us at cbail.org um, is the website. And also provides you all the information on emailing us direct or calling. Awesome. Uh this has been Paul, Pamela Altoff. She's the executive director of the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois. She's a former state senator and Illinois Senate Republican caucus chair. Thank you again so much, Pamela. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Kim, can I have one parting comment? Absolutely. I, I would just ask that um, consumers... Uh, recognize that with all nascent industries, we are going to run into, you know, bumps and some obstacles. But let me assure everyone that the industry is working very well with the state of Illinois, our regulators, um, also our stakeholders that have vested interest in the industry to try and address them responsibly. And in, in a, a decent time frame, you know, in an acceptable time frame. And I truly believe you, you know, you're going to call me and we're going to do this interview again in another nine to 12 months. And you're going to hear how successful we are truly, truly committed to making this a vibrant industry and being a template for the rest of the country. I, I can't wait to talk to you again in nine to 12 months. Uh, and by then, we'll probably be talking about how Illinois influenced New York's recent legalization. I hope that that's true. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pamela. This has been, right. been a great joy. All right. Thank you.
You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault.